my friend. We cannot keep this a secret any longer. Bob and Zip. Good evening, everybody. Today is Friday, the 19th of June. And uh, we are, I, th- I was trying to figure this out the other day. I mm-hmm. think we're in the fifth inning of this pandemic. The fifth inning. It started in March. It started in March, but the inning isn't necessarily exactly a month long. Okay. Because if you figure nine innings until they get a vaccine, uh-huh. so an inning is maybe a month and a half. So maybe we're only in the third or the fourth inning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a hundred and roughly 120,000 people have passed away. Right. Which, um, if you only look at the United States and no other countries, you could convince yourself that that's, you know, unavoidable. Bob, if there was no testing, there would be no victims. There would be no Just victims. use your head. Use that, your head. Yes. And do you know what country is doing that? Which country? The worst, the worst, and I call it a civilized country because we vacation there. I would never yeah. vacation someplace Bali. that isn't civilized. <laughs> Mexico. Mexico, of all places. Mexico, as I last read, was ignoring the coronavirus, not reporting deaths, oh boy. and putting bodies into incinerators as fast as they could. In fact, there's an article in today's Business Insider that says COVID-19 is far more lethal than organized crime in Mexico. Yeah. It's, it's, it's competing with the cartel now. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, Mexico's president has given up in the fight against the coronavirus. We will not pay for your fucking wall, but we will get your fucking cold. <laughs> yes. That's what he said. That's and now with more sunshine news, here's Paul <laughs> Rivers. <laughs> you do know he said we are not going to pay for your fucking wall. Or was that the last yeah, president? Yeah. N- no. No, okay. the, the, this, uh, unless there was an one of them was a system. former Mexican, but I believe that both of them don't want to pay for the law. Well, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Mexico See, is a big tourism country, of course, and they're reopening their doors to travelers starting now. Yeah. Uh, Mexico has been in lockdown due to COVID-19. Te- uh, hotels and restaurants temporarily closed their doors, uh, but they have decided that this is ridiculous. Yeah. They need to open. Whoever wants to come can come. Delta. Throwing caution to the wind. Uh, well, look, uh, we've talked about this a little bit, but if I was 35... And you wouldn't care because it's 50% chance of, of somebody our age, yeah. Yeah, if I was 35, uh, then, the, uh, it, then the flu would be just as dangerous to me, I think, is what mm-hmm. I would actually figure out with statistically. However, you, you will kill grandma when you go home. I would just say that, look, I'm different from all of you other people. I won't kill grandma. <laughs> you see how rationalization works? Yes. yes. And Anything you know, can be rationalized. Yeah. If well, you don't get the COVID, the cartel's going to get you. So it's a double <laughs> That's true. Yes. Um, it's deadlier than the cartel. Oh, that horrific, and, that when they picked off that family with the kids and burned the cars. That was, uh, remember in Texas? South of Texas. Yes, this was the Mexican cartel doing that over our border? No, it was was in Mexico, but they couldn't figure out what the, why they picked this family. They thought it was a case of mistaken identity or something. I'd like to at least be a real drug dealer if I'm murdered for it. Yeah, yeah. That's That's true. Pick me up, Zip. Thank you. 
<laughs> but they, they will. If you, don't, if you don't play by their rules, they will take out your family. Yeah. That's just a standard operating procedure. So anyway, uh, Mexico is going to be open. And, and now they extended the closure of the Canadian border uh, by another month. Did you see that, Ed? July 18th, yes. It's July 18th. You, 21st, sorry. I sent it to you, actually. Okay, one month. Yeah, it was supposed to open on the 21st of June, and now it's the 21st of July. I think yeah. it'll I think it'll be extended through the rest of the summer. And I think you're right. I think Labor Day is probably a uh, write-off at this point. Which right. Is and normally it, when I return to Canada. For the is it Canada conference. who said, we don't want no stinking USA people? <laughs> it, it was on both sides. as I, as I uh, They announced it that way, but let's be yeah. honest. I think that it was a Trudeau thing. Yeah. He is not a fan of Trump, by the way. Right. Yeah. He took 17 seconds to answer a question on Trump. He, he, on Canadian media, he just literally went silent for 17 minutes and then pivoted slightly. Well, 17 minutes. 17 seconds. Sorry, I misspoke. Uh, and, and so where are we at? We have rising cases in some areas. But I have to say, I disagree with the media making a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and I also disagree with the, you know, if we didn't test, we wouldn't have any cases. Uh, both yeah. of those are a little bit wrong. Extremes. Yeah. yeah. What we have is some rural areas that are catching up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Most of the big cities that had it are in decline. Mm. And we have the basic fact that it's a virus and it's not going away. So if you're not careful, more people will catch it. Well, everybody extrapolates information differently, and I don't know if you saw this, Zip, but uh, they had four different countries where it was the worst, and three of them are are on the decline. We are on a plateau because of the recent rise. Right. And oh, I think man. that there's, um, boy, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be, ha I'll make neither side happy. I think mm. that there's a method to being on a plateau. Oh, okay. It keeps you tuned into the news? Could that be it? Well, um, I, I, what I think it is, is we don't want to overload our medical system, mm -hmm. but we also recognize that we just don't care about the older people as much as we care about our economy. That's right. It's a, it's a, it's a calculated... Yes. Um, yeah, it is definitely a calculated uh, capitulation, if you yes. want now, a better word. Now, if you ask me in front of witnesses... Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> with flames to your feet. Yeah, I will say that's a terrible thing that we're killing so many old people. From a medical standpoint, it's like, well, that's collateral damage. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're going to yeah. have that happen. So we're sorry about it. It's awful, but and the get U over it and move along. The US I'm not going to marry any of those old women anyway. <laughs> I only get the young ones after the, I get tired of the old ones. I wonder when Trump's going to reboot with a new wife. Trade him in. Yeah, well, she held, she held up in Washington, uh, she held up in New York, and we, we did the, uh, you know, that prenuptial agreement before she would come to Washington. Do you know that? I did I did read about that in, like, 20 different places over the last few days. Do you think that's true? I don't I, know. I, I who bet knows? I who knows? You really don't know. Was and that I'm that gonna... same interview? Because uh, she and Trump don't sleep in the same bed. Well, that's um, true. And her... Uh, mother and son, uh, they only speak. What is it? What is uh, what's her language? Slavic or whatever. Uh, yeah, I thought it was Czech, but I'm not sure. Czech oh, or whatever. Oh, oh. So they they are continually speaking in a foreign language, which really irritates 
the orange man. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's code. It, I'm know. not going to study, okay? <laughs> Get Babylon. Go ahead, Babylon. I'm not well, buying Babylon. That's funny. Uh, it becomes more and more of a sitcom. It really does. Which is pretty and it will. I predicted, Bob, in 10 years, there will be a sitcom called The Trumps. Oh, it will be a farcical sitcom. So it'll be our version of Hogan's Heroes. Hell yeah. That's, I mean, it, that's all it takes is to come around. Right. You know, just enough time has to pass, and it, all of a sudden it's no longer verboten. Who will you be know, General just... Burkhalter? <laughs> <laughs> and who will be Schultz? Uh, Major Hochstetter, I'm good to see you again. Oh, just about good. 10 minutes ago, I uh, had a Biden ad pop up on my phone. And essentially, it was a plea to join this campaign. Yes. But man, he sounded like he was slurring his words. On an ad that they got yeah, to edit, yeah, no, no, he was fine, but you know, he, he's just he's he's an you, older man. There's just you no know getting that, around it. Zip, you do know that he had a, he was a stutterer as a child, right? Right. He had a speech yeah. had a speech issue that he overcame. There are still remnants of that there. Yes, and he's always had the occasional gaffe throughout oh, yeah. his decades and decades of public service. Um, I don't know if that was what made him unelectable as a president. But um, but now, you know, the spotlight will be on him. So far, his best move has been to do nothing. Well, uh, although he did come out um, after the murder and uh, did a conciliatory speech to black America, and I thought that was rated as his highest, you know, move so far. Right. Well, it's good timing. Where Trump's, Trump was uh, conspicuous by his absence. Yeah, but he's, he's said a couple of things. Not on the day. Not on the day of the service. Right. But I mean, since. Since, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least he's read them from the prompter. <laughs> you guys are I so liberal. the 24-hour news cycle has totally, it's not 24 hours anymore. No, we they're repeats. flush the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, anyway, let's not talk about those people because there's no, you know. Yeah, that's a, a zero. There, there's nothing we're going to say that's going to change anything. <laughs> uh, I did want to talk about something tonight. I read a very interesting article uh -huh. about muses. And I hadn't really thought about this before. Um, this is a classic rock type of perspective on this story. Mm -hmm. It was about the all-time greatest muses in the music world. I know where you're going with this, I'll bet. Do you? Was this um, Clapton and Patty? George well, Harrison? Uh, 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 Patty Boyd, who was Patty Harrison, and then Patty, Clar uh, Patty yeah. uh, Clapton. I yeah, think. The community muse, if you will. Yeah, so she was, uh, yeah, she, she was big. But the, uh, I'll start with number one. Considered okay. the number one muse of all time, Linda McCartney. And, you know, in the scale, in the grand scheme, I think that's probably on point. Yeah. Linda Eastman, she was. And yes. uh, do you remember to, that she was part of Eastman? Heir, heir to the Kodak fortune. Heir to yeah. the Kodak fortune, which didn't turn into much of a fortune when <laughs> no, they went bankrupt. It's kind of like Xerox. <laughs> but do you know what Eastman did? What Eastman was? A music um, publishing company. In, initially, yeah. One of the huge. And also the Eastman School of Music in yes. Rochester. It's a so famous. Eastman Publishing has tons it's one of the wealthiest things there is. She was an heir to that. And uh, how I know about Eastman Publishing is that when Zip and I did the song, Just a Big Ego, half of that song was on Eastman Publishing. 
and we asked them for permission to do a parody. And did what? And did they charge you, or did they let it? You do it. They let us do it for free. Very cool. And they um, had a benevolent side. They didn't know anybody in the music of that industry at that point. They had had just a gigolo part, and they said yes. And then the "I Ain't Got Nobody" song, people said no. So it was a Tin Pan Alley uh, compilation. Was that not an old song from the thirties? It is, but we couldn't get permission, so we had to change it substantially. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, back to Linda Eastman. She (laughs) married Paul in nineteen sixty nine. And Paul said after that that every love song he ever wrote was always about her. I believe that. They were truly, deeply in love. Oh, so much so that he said, sure, I'll back you with vegetarian frozen food. Why not? What could go wrong? (laughs) Did you ever have some of her uh, vegetarian meals? No, but I can't imagine that at that point it was very far along the road like it is now. Now, uh, they were, they were in a word, okay. Okay, yeah. Which um, most of it was for so long. Now it's great. I was such a fan of Paul McCartney that mm. I thought I was doing him a favor by eating her crap. <laughs> Did you see the last tour? <laughs> What's that? Did you see the last tour? The what? The last, last tour, tour that he went on. Oh, the yeah. last tour. Uh, yes. No, I um, I never saw Paul and Linda McCartney. Uh, oh. and, and you know, she was brutalized for all her work on stage with him. Well, that's because somebody got a board feed of her yeah, actually yeah. singing and then made an MP3 of it and put it on the internet. It was not good. And then really low-life, sleazy morning radio <laughs> DJs <laughs> played that. And I was one of them. She, well, you know, you are a musician with a good ear, so yeah. you as a, you know she was flattering a pancake. So before I play that, yes, and I do have it queued up. <laughs> of course you do. Oh, but man. before I play that, I want to do something nice. Okay. So, uh, and, and by the way, aside from the fact that, you know, like me, she wasn't a concert musician or performer. So yeah. on stage, you solo her vocal. Heck, a lot of real great singers can't sing live. No, that's true. So Playing an instrument and singing at the same time yeah. is a separate craft. Yeah. It was kind of unfair. Yeah. Um, but she, on the Ram album, added the female vocal background vocals that were the flavor of the album. Mm-hmm. This was pre-pitch correct, too. Oh, there was no, there was no pitch correction machine at right. that time. Right. So right. there was... Uh, Linda, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> syllable by syllable, we're going to nail this puppy. Just like that, we'll punch you in for the second syllable of the word. Because I've done that with people who couldn't sing. I, I'm sure you have. So what I actually have is an isolation <laughs> of a song from the, the album Ram, where they took out Paul's vocals. And left her in. And you can hear her background vocals. And it's is really... Is this the, mit, the mitigating factor for the, the other track? It's exactly what, what okay. Catholic people do when they feel guilty about something. <laughs> you're, so true. you're so true to your roots. I am. I'm so guilty about being... Oh, there's so many things I did on the radio that I would like to have penance for. Will you guys be my pastors? I'll be we'll Sister be Mary your, Pitch we'll, Correction. We'll, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Or certainly your muses. Yeah, you yes. are, you're definitely, oh, I'm, we'll get into that. Okay. Okay. So here is Paul and Linda McCartney on Ram, only you're going to hear more of her vocals than his. Stay, 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 
Linda. What, what's that? Linda, we're gonna we're gonna uh, wet you up a little more. <laughs> By that I mean reverb. Ooh, listen, give her her respect. Such a great artist he was. Just. Why? He's got horses galloping in there, and it sounds good. <laughs> I see that. That's cool. Here she is again. Bob, does, does it not sound to you like right. they're running through her through like a harmon like a three thousand or five thousand even tide? Well, sure. Of course, she's got the same juice. You know, she's got the same. What did we call it? Syrup poured all over yeah. her that they would do on the else. Beatles. But yeah, but she was singing, it, and she's uh, relatively in, on key. John called it treacle. Treacle? Like George Martin putting all that treacle on his tracks. Oh, yeah. He used to say, give me more of that. Now, put down, let him put all that treacle on there. It just ruins the song. Now, the thing that I feel guilty for was this live Hey Jude. (laughs) Hey, dude. Hang on. And then he starts Hey Jude. She comes. Ooh. <laughs> now it's actually not that bad if you mix it back it, far enough. Unless you're looking at the red LEDs that tell you where how far it's off the note. Na 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 na. <laughs> uh, Paul's out there with his wife, and he loves her. Yes, he that's does. what's most important. Uh, no, you're, it's true. And close enough for rock and roll is a real expression for a reason. And if you listen to the Stone stuff, the Uglies were off. Oh, as tons off of it is off. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's part of the sound that it's off. There you go. Here we go. To make it better. Let's see if we can make it better this time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to make it better, Linda. Let's try go. Try and make it worse. It's pretty, pretty hard. <laughs> oh, boy. She knows what the note is. You know, you you were probably on a par with her as far as keyboard skills go, though, right? I'm guessing. Uh, what do you mean? I'm saying as far as how skilled she was on keyboards. Uh, keyboards. Oh. I don't think she was a pianist before Bob asked her to. No, Bob, but but here's the thing about keyboards, and Zip knows this. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be a musician Not to play anymore. keyboards in a band, right? Zip? Not with sampling. Well, uh, yeah. If you're playing parts, no, you really yeah. don't. You can sequence, right? Well, no, no, no. A lot of the parts are super simple. Um, Like when I first started playing uh, The Who, Baba Mm -hmm. O'Reilly, it's three chords, and the bass note is holding on one note. So all I had to do was go, and the rest of it was that uh, sequenced part was all sequenced. It was the first Mm -hmm. song they taught me when, uh, by the way, this is why I relate to Linda McCartney, because our station had a band and all these great players were in it. The drummer from Paul Rogers, Jeff Cathan, Mm -hmm. who's a regular listener of our podcast, Uh, the um, bass player who also plays with Bad Company, Lynn Sorensen, 
and um, another guy who was an awesome guitar player who passed away suddenly, but he he worked with some of the Alice in Chains guys. Anyway, so these guys were like, well, you have to be in the band because, you know, it's the Bob River show. Right. And I, I said, well, you should really get someone who knows how to play. I goes, no, no, we'll teach you. <laughs> Yeah, this is Vlad and the Impalers, am I right? You Spike and the Impalers. Spike and the Impalers, Vlad. Um, Vlad, <laughs> he'll like that though. And so, uh, so you may never talk to me again. So I related to Susan Day of the Partridge yeah. Family. And <laughs> yeah. Who cares if she can play? She's and Linda McCartney. Sold. And I used to yeah. have the feeling like, God, if anybody ever soloed my keyboard tracks, I'm dead. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So the other one you mentioned, Patty Boyd. Yes. Uh, she was Patty Harrison. She married George Harrison. Mm-hmm. For bonus points, tell me what okay. Beatles song she sang on. She sang on a Beatles song. She sang on a Beatles song, and it's not one of their little songs. It's a big song. Patty Boy. Um, Give me Sergeant a time. Was only Hearts Club Band. No. no. Zip. Okay. What time frame? Uh, her part was only four or five seconds long. Oh, well, that's not. A she sang. A, she she sang with another vocalist, and it was an As answer. It was an answer lyric to the title of the song. How's that? Hmm. All right, hold it. I got nothing. I need a cup of coffee. You don't know? <laughs> hello, goodbye. Uh, no. Nope. Say goodbye. I say hello. Hey. Uh, no. Hold on. Don't know. I don't okay. know. Yeah. So I'll even tell you who she sang with. Okay. Yoko Ono. Oh. I'll give you a chance. No. Uh-uh. No. No. Good try. Mm. That screeching mm. one. <laughs> I'll give you something else. The song was recorded in under a day. But I'm not Blackbird, no. Which is pretty big for the production they were doing at the times. Because yeah. the Beatles used to do many takes, many retakes. They used to splice yeah. different parts together until everything was perfect. Maxwell's Silver Hammer took weeks to record, and every band member except for Paul hated the song. Hmm. And it was huge. Back in those days, by the way, the Beatles rehearsals were them making up riffs, testing lyrics, and arranging parts of, song, uh-huh. of songs. Then they would pair off and work on guitar parts or keyboard fills. It would be very rare for them to finish a song. So, birthday is process. pretty unique. It's birthday. birthday. Oh, really? Oh, oh. First song on the second disc of the White Album. Sure. Uh, the group snuck off to watch a movie in the middle of recording it, returned, and then finished it. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't you like to have the Rollies? Hmm. On birthday. Oh. What, was, what was her part? Uh, so uh, let's see if I can play it for you. Hang on. Is it my birthday too? So the fact that you don't know it already. Yeah, stupid. Is surprising to me. Beatles. Mm-hmm. Never oh. be astounded by my lack go. of knowledge. I got it for you. Okay, so let's just play it. Recorded in one day. Start mm-hmm. to finish. Written and recorded. Now, uh, at the time, they could have had any background singer that they wanted. They could have had the biggest singers in the world. But then he's good looking. 
So when we get to the chorus, you'll figure it out. Uh, they decided to go with Yoko Ono and Patty Boyd. Boy, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Well, you'll hear. They didn't want it to be in tune. Here we go. Long drum fill there. Here we go. <laughs> ah, here it comes. And cue the girls. <laughs> Birthday. It's like Edith. Yeah. <laughs> I shut up, you dingbat, you. Isn't that funny? <laughs> you flattered in a pancake, Edith. Let's get this piano tuned, huh? <laughs> Would you? So, okay, okay. So the only way I know this is we were doing a parody of it called Jesus's Birthday for the Christmas album. Great song. And we had this great gal, Trish Nielsen, to sing background vocals. Mm-hmm. And she sang it so beautifully. She was like, birth, you know, only she was holiday and i was like can you warble it up a little bit <laughs> and she probably couldn't and she couldn't. had a hard time so yeah. i said oh i know what i'm gonna do and i went upstairs to lisa my wife <laughs> i said honey would you come sing on a song lisa honey <laughs> and she said I'm, I'm not a singer and i said i know <laughs> perfect <laughs> so lisa came down with um, uh, this wonderful uh, Trish, who's an amazing singer, yeah. and the two of them sang together, and it sounded just like that. Holidays, <laughs> and it was perfect. So that's hilarious. It was uh, so bad, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of family members, my yeah. son Andrew joins us now from Seattle, Washington. Hello, Hello Andrew. Andrew. Check, check. Hello, how are you doing? Good. Hey. You're in. What's cooking? Oh, nothing. Uh, just uh, I did my first comedy set in person recently, and so uh, excited wow. to get back out there. And, On stage at a comedy and, uh, club? Realize, yeah, yeah. So wow. comedy clubs are starting to open with, uh, some of them are spread out, basically, in, in Washington State. So right. it's like 30% capacity, and everyone's six feet away from each other. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's the difference of, like, writing the jokes in your hotel room, <laughs> or, like, like... Sort of like, uh, you know, like uh, like flying a flight simulator and then actually getting behind the controls. Like, oh, this is all different. This is crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Working without a net. But you've... Right. Some of the jokes should have stayed tweets. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's a marvelous oh, self-assessment. So, let me ask about right. that. Because when you've been writing the last three months, you've just been writing in your room and seeing how it goes. Uh, when right. you got out in front of an actual... Um, you know, crowd in a club, uh, did they work as well as you thought they would? Was there, were there any ones that were surprising in either how well they worked or how quickly they bombed? Sure. Some of them worked really well. And then some of them you realize like you just don't give enough context for the joke. Yeah, I, 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 I wish I could re- remember, but like, a friend of mine a couple years ago basically explained to me that there's only three reasons a joke doesn't work, and a lot of it is your fault, you know? <laughs> yes. Because you yep. know yep. what you're writing about. Yeah. So, like, sometimes you just don't give enough context or setup for the joke. They don't really know 
what your point of view is. Got it. Even or you, though, or you rush through it out of nervousness. Yeah. And, or and you stumble it. on a word, yeah. or you, yeah. or sometimes the audience just hates the way you look, and they decide that they're not going <laughs> to laugh at you. That's going to happen. I mean? Yeah. And guys can do an eight o'clock set that'll go gangbusters and kill, and at eleven o'clock it'll right. suck. Yeah, you know? you, you've done that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Ed, you've done stand-up, right? I have, yeah. yeah. Not to the extent or the uh, level that Andrew has, but yeah, I've dabbled. Well, who is? But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, said, he said humbly. It's exciting. Yeah. You know? No, but, uh, but it's interesting about that. So, like, next week I'm actually going to a comedy club at Oklahoma City, and they just got approved for full capacity. That's because it's in the uh, South. But, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But it's yeah. interesting because, like, again, sometimes a joke doesn't work because the whole audience doesn't necessarily agree with the premise. For example, if you do jokes about your looks and you go, oh, I'm ugly and no one wants to date me, some people will be like, ah, come on. That, they, don't, they don't even laugh at it because they don't believe you. And oh, so man. I'm curious about, like, the coronavirus jokes. If, I, if I'm like, oh, it's coronavirus, they're like, that's not even a real thing, you know? So, Uncharted um, territory. Right? Because you have to have, like, like herd immunity for the audience to just, you know, like 80% of them yeah, have yeah. to just agree with you. Yeah. And so uh, I'm really interested in, in that's how funny. that's going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that, if 70% of them are with you, the other 30% will be protected and they'll laugh anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I got a friend who you was can explain stand-up. the joke. It's fun. Yeah. That's right. Comedy with footnotes. Why not? Uh, I got a friend who's a stand-up, and he, he takes me with him or invites me to all his gigs because I just have an easy laugh, and I usually get a joke faster than most people, you know, so I'm the first one. So I'm a, kind of a shill for him, but not purposely. Oh, it's great. Just I kind of the way that, that happens. Yeah. yeah. You're generous. Um, not, not purposely. <laughs> right. Just the way I just have a. He a, just likes a good time. I like a good time and a good joke. Mm. You know, I can hear it coming down the track sometimes, which is why I preempt right. the rest of the audience with the titter before it actually gets said. <laughs> I see where he's going with that. That yeah. is, I mean, that is interesting. Like, you know, I've traveled, I've performed in like forty-three states, and I've slept on probably the side of most of these highways. Uh, but like <laughs> some of them, yeah, some of the states are like completely different countries, you know, yes. and and Culturally. and you'll notice like some audiences laugh, you know, they like laugh with the joke, and then some of them laugh like it takes like a satellite delay for them to to really, <laughs> and it's only like a second or two sometimes, but yeah. you can really notice a difference. It's crazy. Well, that might have to do with their public school education rankings. Now, right? hold on a sure. second there, Bob. Hey, you nah, just go yeah. easy now. He's Not got everyone sudden, went to Mount Si High School. So. <laughs> he ain't always going to be on Route 66 in Oklahoma City, which sure looks pretty. Although that would make some good swag. He can sell and actually make some real money after the gig. Just saying, don't ruin the boy's chances, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so are you getting on an airplane to go to Oklahoma? Sure. Um, uh, Once the wind comes with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, upgraded to first class already, and um, I'll just stay there in my bubble with my mask on. Okay. <laughs> it's a tube. I mean, I, I don't worry I, about you, know, you because statistically, you're not. You know, in the, in me. the risk zone. No. Right. <laughs> 
nuclear war. I don't you know. I mean, it's you know, I'm reading and learning, and 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 uh, I like I like my chances, but um, <laughs> the odds are good at stand up or yeah. the the virus. <laughs> oh, I'm a straight white male. I'm never gonna have a career in stand up again. But uh, you know, black comics do have up. a leg up. They so do have a leg that's up. That's three strikes against you these days, isn't it? Yeah, Being straight, exactly. white, and male. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, like when I was doing that audition for that television show, they, you know, I think the reason they cut me is they just go like, yeah, we got enough of you. And then yeah, you go, yeah. okay. Andrew, it wouldn't be so bad, but you're not white. You're actually blue. So we need a little more <laughs> you know, melanin. I'm so yeah, white no, no that offense. it eclipses did the you diversity ever, they did have. Did you ever on. tell that story on the podcast about how you were almost? I don't think so. I don't remember most of it, but. No, um, I haven't heard this. I'll oh. tell you part of it. So there was this show on NBC called Bring the Funny, and it came out last summer. And um, I, I, it came out in summer. And so the timeline is like November. I filled out uh, an online form. You know, you get, you get past these sort of audition slips or these, sure. hey, fill this out real quick or whatever in the industry, I guess. And so it was another one of these, like, I've done it for America's Got Talent and Last Comic Standing. And, and they basically want to know if you're interesting enough or you have good backstory or something like that. And so they go, oh, what would you do if you won $500,000? And I was like, vote Republican. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> um, and they, and so they that. sent me, yeah. yeah, they liked me. They go, oh, you're funny. And like, I, <laughs> and so good. I got on the show and, um, and so we spent like three months, I think it was back and forth with producers. And I was even on my dad's couch and, uh, I was sending the, the producers jokes, you know, two or three minutes at a time going, what about this joke? And what about this joke? And they'd be like, that's terrible. You're awful. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And, uh, and even my dad was like, what about this joke? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And it's one of my favorite jokes. And then they, and then the producers were like, that's great. We want to use that joke as the opening joke. And uh-huh. I could see my dad being proud of me for once. And, Half a uh, second. It was very exciting. <laughs> for yeah. once. But very you were brief. hired. You were officially on yes. the show. And you were, it was time for you to drive to L.A. to be on yeah. the show. And, and by the way, guys, he worked his ass off. Yeah, for weeks with producers on the phone sitting there talking yeah. about the set and all of the things he was going to do and so that i'm like well i'm trying to keep i told zip i told a few friends but yeah. i didn't put it on social media because That'd be a big mistake yeah it's like a pregnancy you don't want to announce <laughs> yeah. it too soon until, until it airs or you sign the dotted line or both yeah you, you say nothing right and so well, that's the thing is i signed a contract i signed oh, yeah. a whole thing and they were go. They were like, "You're on." You're, and they were gassing me up. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, that uh, verbiage. The no, what slang, is gassing but you They up were mean? hyping me up. Is that like being hyped, a fluffer? They were going, yeah, they were fluffing me real good. <laughs> yeah. They kept. Not, the whole, they're like, "You're gonna be so famous." Gassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Similar, similar. They go, "This is gonna have 10 million people viewing. It's gonna be after America's Got Talent. It's prime time NBC." And I'm like, "Oh man!" Like I, they made me like. Uh, delete tweets and stuff like that. Yeah, they look through <laughs> and, uh, your social media, right? Yeah. Clean up your profile. Yeah. What did they wow. tell you to so delete? Would... Do you remember anything? Oh man, um, one of the jo- some of the jokes were like, it was just like early on jokes, like um, my like dad jokes molested about me. Racer. That joke didn't fly. No. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> uh, well, there was one. There was like a tweet that was like 
jokes about race are low hanging fruit, which is why a lot of Mexican comics do it. You know, there is no line. Dumb, right. But that's a good like, joke. I'm not gonna yeah. get yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. get canceled because of that. But yeah. it's a dumb, <laughs> and you just don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you, you, you don't can, argue with them. You yeah, know no, what I mean? They were like, Gwyneth Paltrow can put out a pussy candle, but you can't say that. Yeah, you know, yeah. sure. Yeah. That's I a, mean, it's that's all, a it's, very funny joke, by the way. Oh, and so well, it's telling, by the way, that a primetime TV thing that has to be so careful starts yeah, right. taking away your edgy material. Exactly. The whole point of being a comic is that you don't have to be under the corporate censor all the time at the club level yeah and you can be edgy i mean you know but now this is getting piped into middle america and uh and uh got to be sanitized for your protection yeah Yeah. all right so tell those guys about how you loaded up the car and started driving down to be on the show (laughs) so i canceled um they said uh it's a competition show so you'll film one week at a time so we need you for at least one week (laughs) <laughs> but it could be four weeks, depending on how far you go in the show. And I am thinking, well, I'm really great at comedy, so I'll just pack up for a month <laughs> and uh, I'll just drive down there in case I'm there for like a month because they were going to put me up in a hotel and they were going to do this stuff. And I was like, why don't I just um, try to make it easier on them? Because I had a thing, I had a thought like maybe they would go, and if we have to put this guy up in a hotel and get a shuttle for him all the time, he's going to be annoying. And I thought, like, what if I just stay at a friend's house and drive in a car? So I drove down for a month. I canceled a bunch of work. And um, I got to San Francisco, and I stayed the night with a friend. And then in the morning, it was, I guess the t- timeline is, I was driving down from San Francisco to L.A., and it was the day before they were going to start filming, the day that they told me to start being ready for being in L.A. And for about, I think it had been like five days since a producer had kind of called me. And I, had, mm. I thought like, well, that's kind of weird. We're getting close. Um, they should me. give me a preparation. Or, and so it's, but then I thought, that's eh, the weekend and they're lazy and who knows and they're unorganized. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a hassle. I, I don't want to bug them for the directions. So yeah. I thought, like, but but now it's Monday morning and I'm driving from San Francisco to L.A. And I'm kind of stalling because I just have a bad feeling. And mm-hmm. uh, it's finally about noon and I, I decide to call one of the producers and I go, hey, I'll, I'll be down today. Uh, let me know. I can come by early or just tell me what time to be there tomorrow. I left that voicemail. And then five minutes later, I got a phone call from my manager. And then as soon as I saw the caller ID, I was like, oh, I know what's about to happen. And they go, they, even my manager was like, I don't know what happened, but the show's canceled. Or they thought the whole show had been canceled. The point is, like, no one told me. No one yeah, called no, they, me to say, hey, you're They just ghosted you. Yeah. 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 Walking to Hollywood, kid. <laughs> Exactly. So, but, and I've heard, what's interesting is I've heard so many stories like that. I have a friend who was literally on the plane uh, to do a late night set 
And then by the time he landed, the George Lopez show had been canceled. And the show, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, the whole. But they were doing one final episode, and it was the episode that he was supposed to be on. But since it was the final episode, they just did all of George Lopez's friends or whatever. So they had Alex Rodriguez on. And so, but they go, you can get a ticket to the audience if you want. You can watch. (laughs) Great. No, thank you. Yeah. How many, so that how just, many total, that's kind of yeah. Tip. No, I was just. How many total producers were involved in it? How many cooks in the Joe Kitchen? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was talking with one main one, and then here's what I suspect happened: is that I had built a a comfortable relationship with this one guy that that was assigned to me, I guess, and so um, he was a wrangler for they you. Would, yeah, they would take my jokes and, and put them in the writer's room, and then all the writers and producers would kind of vote on which bits, and then he would contact me. So that was my... Con- but then a week before, this lady called me, and she was... she, I don't know. She was being aggressive, and it made me defensive, and she kept being like, what's your, you know, what's your voice, and what's your personality, and, and what do you think about this? And she kept asking me all these weird questions that I, mm. that I had already thought I had kind of answered for... You know, you don't, an, you, I don't yeah. think you answer those questions a week before filming, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> she was going like, oh, we're going to have you in front of a green screen and like all these things are going to be flying by you. And like, so tell us about your history. They were trying to dig up something interesting, I think. But I was like, I'm just a boring white guy who likes jokes. And, uh, bad. Bad. and literally yeah. she goes, uh, she goes, she, at the end of like explaining this thing to me, she goes, do you get it now? And I was like, not really, but I, you know, it's, it takes a lot of kind of courage to even say that right, to right, right. people she, in power. So. She wanted you to be more aggressive. She wanted you to be I back. Don't know. She was, she was, I believe she was baiting you to see if you could get in there. Look on TV, reality TV. I don't care what TV shows it is. It's all right. about conflict. Absolutely. No drama without conflict. Yeah. And she wanted to fight with you and you didn't want to fight with her. Probably. Yeah. I if mean, you'd said, Look, listen, bitch, I've had enough of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Listen, yeah, you skirt. Really well. <laughs> hey, <laughs> let's put it this way. It couldn't have gone any worse. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What um, did you have to lose? Yeah. But anyway, I got to so, say yeah, this. So, yeah. So, anyway, they called me, and then they and then I was off the show, and then, um, and then, I, and then the show turned out awful, by the way. Yeah, it, was it was like a very bad <laughs> show. And, uh, and my manager was like, you, you know, and so then my manager, who runs one of the biggest clubs in New York City, I flew out there for an audition, and he he watched me, and he goes, "You keep doing sets like that, you can tell uh, bring the funny to go fuck themselves next year." <laughs> and, uh, and I was, was like, was no, 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 I'll still do it. Like bit. I'll still yeah. do season two. Yeah, 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 yeah. People, you realize people all have a little bit of an angle, and so, um, but through that. I was able to do um, basically an audition for the booker of The Tonight Show because he was involved in the process of booking that television show, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then he had a fight with producers and then he quit Ah. uh, the day, second day of filming. He just quit the whole show. So wait a minute. Because he had been fighting with them. But that's that's the answer. Yes. So the guy, the, the corporate juice you had said, this is going to suck, I'm out of here. Right. And then they would get rid of all the people he cared about. That's how it works. Right. This yep. is how, it, yeah. the whole thing was dysfunctional, and, and 
what was really interesting is I had been holding this grudge. I had never met this guy, but he had booked me for the show. And, and the thing is, like, no one had ever called me to explain, like, hey, it's Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. And Smoking so, yeah. yeah. So I had just been resenting this guy for a long time. And, and it really, I, I was doing an audition for The Tonight Show. And I was like, I'm going to show him what he missed out on. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was cool because afterwards, everyone just kind of hung out and we just started having beers and talking to the guy. And that's when I found out like his side of the story where he was like, oh, they weren't listening to me and they wouldn't tell me. And I told him it was going to suck. And then, and then I'm like, this, this guy is not the bad guy, you know? Yeah, so yeah, that's place, um, yeah. it's all out of your control and uh, you just focus on, on you. In show business, by the way, all of us uh, have say, been in yeah. a situation where we've been screwed over. And um, I wish Spike was in on this conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, that darn PD. He didn't, I hate that right. PD. And then yeah. two weeks later, the PD gets blown out. And he's like, right. oh, it was like fish rots from the head. It happened. Yes. <laughs> fish yeah, rots was, from the head. The whole I system like the is corrupt. That's what we've been saying. That's a good Defund Hollywood. Box. Yeah. Defund Hollywood. That's a good one. So many parallels oh, to radio, man. though. So, uh, uh, Andrew, we're almost out of time, but quickly, uh, what else is going on? Coronavirus stuff. Have You went to the protest in Seattle, right? Well, no, I am not uh, at a protest. I have a pre-existing condition. I'm a giant pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I'm doing my part. I'm getting in lots of Facebook arguments from home. And that's how I feel like I can contribute to the... I haven't convinced anybody of anything yet, but I'm close. Some guy, I was arguing with this guy the other day, and he sent me a fact check from a website called freedomfiction.com. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, the name seems suspicious, but the logo is a bald eagle with an AR-15. I just don't know who to trust. I don't know who to trust. Is that really a, a real website? Yeah. It was, that was the name of the website, Freedom That's Fiction. That's hilarious. And I was like, I don't... I, 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 they're even I telling think, you that they're bullshit. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think that um, people have been arguing with robots on social media for so long That's that people are starting true. to sound like robots. Like the, yeah. it's just, we have become one. People don't talk in real sentences anymore. They just. I see you have pre existing condition, comrade. You are a pussy, yes? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Russian yeah, bots. but uh, but it's hard to. I'm trying to watch the news and stuff, but it's hard to to get reliable news because they keep uh, shooting all the reporters. So <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that's part of the problem, right there. Yeah. Just uh, trying to keep up with it. Andrew I'm Rivers, laughing on the outside. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> Rivers, uh, upcoming names. You heard it here first. Hey, I'll be in uh, Oklahoma City, uh, June 25th through 28th. <laughs> And uh, if I live after that, I'll be in Tacoma Comedy Club July 2nd and 3rd. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks. Rock and roll. Nicely done. There he goes. Wow. I'm very proud of him, of course. I of you course should you be. Yeah. He's making his own luck, you know? Now, he doesn't tell this part of it, but when he did not get on that show, mm -hmm. he certainly could have got depressed about it. I, I was a little bit depressed because mm -hmm. I was like had been holding in talking about it until he was on the show. And then when he wasn't on the show, I was like, ah, oh, crap. This reminds me of when I was in L.A. and I was only on the air for nine days and then they canceled uh, our show. Uh, I and, don't know where that story. 
Do you know that story? No, I don't. Oh, another day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me it wasn't KLOS. Yeah, though. it was not KLOS, but it okay. was a CBS station called okay. Arrow 93. All right. Long story. Anyway, I I just I felt so bad for him, and then like three days later, he was like, "Well, I could take a, take this as a learning experience, and stuff like this happens to everybody." And I'm like, "Where did you get that alligator skin? Po- that positive yeah. attitude, that alligator skin? <laughs> yeah, very important. Good stuff. Must be mom's gene pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, we have a few minutes left. Are there any topics we didn't get to? Gosh, I sent a few. Oh, uh, oh, the rest of the muses. Sorry. Yeah. So Patty Boyd sang with Yoko Ono on birthday. Uh-huh. Do you know who Francois Hardy was? No. She's number three. Is it? Any idea? A mm. beautiful Francois woman. Hardy. Brunette. And the French. Gorgeous. They have something special. She captured the attention of a number of hard-working musicians in the 1960s. Her most notable suitor was Bob Dylan. Oh. Um. Bob once refused to come out on stage and start his concert because she hadn't showed up yet. Wow, that's some juice. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, when Bob Dylan moved along, Keith Richards came along. Wow. And after she mused Keith Richards, mm-hmm. she mused Mick Jagger. Marianne Faithful? <laughs> no, no. This one is... Oh, Marianne no. Faithful is on the list, though. Don't get ahead of another me. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so here, she pl- let's just put it this way. She plowed through Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Brian Jones, and John Lennon. She was wow. a great singer. She would sing... Resolé. Yeah, she sang in French. Mm-hmm. And uh, lived a fairly long life until she slipped into a coma in 2016. Oops. Mm-hmm. But she woke up and is still with us. No kidding. She released an album right after her coma. Wow, that's Marianne Faithful, too. I wonder if I could look up her album and see what she sounds like today. Is Joni Mitchell on that list by any chance? As a muse? I don't yeah. think so. Marianne Faithful is next, by the way. Uh, oh, okay. good Marianne left her husband to move in with Mick Jagger. Mm. She became the definition of a rock star girlfriend. She really did. Yeah. She truly did. She influenced songs like Sympathy for the Devil. <laughs> you can't always get... Maybe she did that. I don't know. <laughs> It would have been smarter than having her sing entire fancy melodies like uh, Linda Eastman. Uh, You can't always get what you want. Wild horses. And of course, let's spend the night night together. together. No kidding. Wow. That's amused. Hey, when we were on V66, remember we had that producer on who, do you remember that? He he was a Stones producer for, uh, you can't always get what you want. I'm pretty sure that he would, he produced that. Jimmy somebody? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. Jim, Jim Millett was the Stones yeah. producer. You got it. And by the way, I have, uh, I have a Francois Hardy song I'm from only... one year ago. This was released. Here she is. On a website called Don't Stop the Music. And here she comes.
Appena tu vieni da me a mormorare Mille parole che spiegar non saprò mai E all'amore che fai pensare Maybe Paul McCartney was threatened by her singing. What do you think? <laughs> no. You know what? The production sucks, but the voice is great. Uh, she's awesome, yeah. Non parli più senso perché Reminds me of the girl from Ipanema who sang that. Anyway, Marianne Faithful uh, with Mick Jagger. Who mm-hmm. else? Oh, Lisa knows this person. B.B. Buell. I've heard of her. Yeah, she's the ultimate, like, uh, rock yes. babe. Uh, and she was with Steven Tyler mm-hmm. and Mick Jagger. She was kind of their uh, mule, too, as well, was she not? A drug mule? Yes, I, yes. Believe, yeah. I believe Lisa yeah. would demure on speaking out about that. <laughs> she was also yeah. the basis of the character Penny Lane in the film Almost Famous. Wow. And she is the mother of Liv Tyler. Oh. Ah, who didn't oh, even know that Stephen was, was her father yeah. until she was 18 or something. That's right. Anyway, there are more in here. Marilyn Monroe is actually in there. She was yeah. the subject of Elton John's Candle in the Wind. Yes. Uh, celluloid Heroes by the Kink, Kinks, excuse me, and Love Without Tragedy, Mother Mary by Rihanna, Vogue by Madonna, just a few. Uh, her influence was felt for decades. Well, Madonna was Is a there a category sort. for like genital muses, like scrotal <laughs> muses? Um, like Sweet what? Connie from, from oh, oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Do interact? Yeah. Well, there is a groupie category, <laughs> um, if you give me a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rock's most famous. Well, Connie will be in there. She's yeah. she's way up. She's in that top ten. A legend. Sure. Yeah, there were famous groupies even in um, even Led in Zeppelin radio. Had, by the way, Led Zeppelin. Boy, oh boy, they didn't have groupies. They had slaves. It was amazing. So uh, Lori Maddox was 14 years old when Jimmy Page invited her over to his hotel. Oh heavens! Uh, and he wasn't the first. She lost her virginity to David Bowie. Oh, my God. By the way, how do we know this stuff? Because usually the, the, the rock guys talked about it. <laughs> because back when it was, you know, those magazines, there yeah. was no internet. By the way, Me Too would have completely stopped rock and roll cold in its tracks. What do you think Absolutely. about that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Wasn't Bill Wyman uh, a fan? Didn't he marry yes. uh, he had a 14-year-old or something? I think a 14-year-old, yeah. 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 And he had her emancipated or something. Quick story about that. Uh, a, a buddy of mine uh, was running the uh, NPR station here in town, and he brought in Bill Wyman's Rhythm Kings, which was Gary Booker from uh, Procol Harum and uh, mm-hmm. Alvin Lee, a famous guitar player, not the I'm going home, but the country picker guy. Anyway, uh, so he had uh, he had the whole band over to his house for a little cookout prior to the show. So the tour bus pulls up in this Tony neighborhood, and they all get out. And Bill's got a he had a cigarette going the entire time. He, I never saw him without a cigarette. And uh, um, the uh, gentleman had a, a literally a twelve year old daughter, and he was hanging on her the entire afternoon. Oh I mean, what is he seventy? <laughs> Man. 
Uh, by the way, at that point, I'm asking. I don't care who he is. Bill Lyman, Bill Lyman's leaving. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, well, it was overt, actually, kind of. Wow. More think. about Connie, by the way. Her name was Connie Hamsey. Okay. Hamsey. Sweet Connie Hamsey. That's right. Connie Hamsey. That's right. And of course, she was the subject of that song, American Band. We're an American band. Sweet, sweet yeah. Connie doing her doing her act. She had the whole show. They had the whole man. That's a natural fact. But um, it was actually um, years later. I don't know if you know this, but she met future United States President, States President Bill Clinton in 1984. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> At this point in her life, 1984, she yeah. was making her living. <laughs> By making the rounds, telling crowds filthy stories oh, about the celebrities she'd slept with. That's right. So she's like, uh, one of her stories that she was so famous for was, so I'm out on the tour smoking dope and blowing roadies. <laughs> and who comes... Not necessarily in that this order. Is, no, this is yes. a quote. <laughs> and who comes in the back lounge? Neil effing Diamond. Wow. I don't know why I cleaned up that word after the... The, given the topic uh, i am i said <laughs> clinton would give her big story uh when clinton would give her a big story when according to hamsey she sent someone to proposition he sent sorry someone to proposition her so oh, clinton was an american band fan and wanted to have sex with sweet sweet connie unfortunately she broke the story to the tabloids in 1991. Oh boy. oh, boy. At the time, Clinton just laughed it off. That's fake news. You know, he's not the first person to say that. <laughs> All that had really happened, he said, was that she had run up to him topless and said, what do you think of these? So that was his story. In other words, he didn't inhale, I think, is what he was saying. <laughs> I did not inhale with that woman. I don't even know who the hell she was. Oh, anyway. Uh, so who else is in here? Um, the last person to see Keith Moon alive. He was his girlfriend, right? Yeah. Annette Walter Lacks. Okay. She met him at a club filled with rock stars and groupies. She'd been invited out by David Bowie's manager. She spent the night flirting with Rod Stewart. But it was Keith Moon who took her home. They did end up dating, but Moon was not, uh, I don't know how much Brayden, you know about him. He was a couple bubbles off plum is what he was. Yeah, he was dangerous and violent yeah. when he was yeah. drunk. Yep. Uh, eventually, she found him dead in their bed in 1978. And wasn't he trying at the very end, he was trying some, I don't think it was anti-abuse, but he had some kind of anti-alcohol drug know. in his system at the time. Uh, but the night before, as the story goes, they were at a party thrown by Paul McCartney. Hmm. And Moon had declared that night that he was going to marry Annette. Wow. But once they got home, he was drunk and he became, you know, rowdy well, and angry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He She's said, cook for. me steak for breakfast. And, and, he, and she was like grumbling that he was rude. And she said, if you don't like it, you can blank off. Then he slammed the door in his room. Never to come out. And he also take a whole bunch of heminevrin. Do you know what that is? No. I'm imagining it's a drug, Bob. It probably <laughs> is. It killed him. Uh, she was mad at him, so didn't go to bed with him, and she found his body in the morning. 
Oh, boy. Wow. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, there's more of these. Oh, sure there is. Cleo Odzer, the super Cleo. groupie, was 14 when she started sneaking into New York's trendiest nightclubs with a fake ID. Rolling Stones, Cream, Deep Purple. That actually sounds like the title <laughs> of a porn movie. It really does. <laughs> put, them, put them all together and you got a, you got Behind the Green Door 3. <laughs> oh, man. She started dating Keith Emerson of Emerson Lake and Palmer. They actually stayed together for a while and he proposed. But that fell apart when Time released an article about her called Super Groupie Cleo. Emerson had no idea. <laughs> that she'd, you know, uh, how many rungs of the ladder she'd climb, uh, climb to meet him. So he called the wedding off. And then oh, she no. continued with more with rock stars. With yeah. a vengeance, probably. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we went from muses to groupies. Do you think we were just doing that because of <laughs> sex sells more than inspiration? Well, something's got to sell. Yeah. Eventually. I'm just saying. By the way, I just looked up that drug that uh, Keith Moon took. It is a an anti-convulsion drug oh, okay. used in the treatment of alcohol oh, withdrawal. So it was antabuse. Yeah. So did he take a pile of antabuse and then drink, and that's what killed him? Entirely possible. I just I just remember that was in his system at the end. All right. We'll close with a little more Francois Hardy. Okay. The only muse who could actually sing. Here she is. Some period piece, man. <laughs> Could you have muses today? Or is that considered sure sexist? In Paris, you can. In Paris, you can. Sure. Huh. It makes me wonder why there isn't any great rock music today. <laughs> Well, sex and drugs and rock and roll, and two out of three of those are, you know, if we're responsible, we stay away from them. Until they take down the grid and the internet, I think we're uh, in the same boat. The world's gone crazy. And we're just trying to keep up. Bob and Zip. Do not I need a freak? For a test tube love affair He's got big puffy cheeks He's got a big beer gut And some wild gray hair I know this old musician He was stoned when he wrote Deja Vu But tonight while I'm loving my girlfriend Some old rock stars making love to a tube Did a 